At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You're listening to Pop, the History Makers, with me, Steve Blame. Susie Quattro, welcome. Um, this time an update interview, something, it's a little bit different. It's not a deep dive. We're not going to go into your life like I did last time. But the last interview, I, I watched it again the other day for this one. And um, it is a fascinating interview. And you are an incredibly sovereign person. <laughs> do, do you understand what I mean in the interview? You've had such a life experience. And I found that really beautiful to watch. And it was really interesting what I got from it yeah, from a second look. Um, so I want to thank you for that. You've had an amazing life, an incredible life yeah. as, as, a, as a musician. Um, you've broke down boundaries. And um, as you know, you related that story about when you went to watch your documentary with a friend um, and you said that you gave women permission um, to be different. And I think that is one of the most fundamentally important messages of of your life not only to be different but to continue because you know you don't stop <laughs> i don't that is that is my mantra you know you got to you got to be who you are doesn't matter what it is there are no boundaries there are no boundaries so tell me what have you been doing since the last time we talked now it's not that long ago it's only about october Okay, uh, I've, I've had the two albums out with my son. They both charted, uh, No Control and The Devil in Me. I've right now got out Uncovered, which is my EP of six of my favorite, some something of my influences. Um, and we're going to be doing a live stream on that soon. The only chance people can get to see me do those songs live. Um, so I've been very busy with that, uh, promoting that. And I've got the duet album with KT comes out, with KT Tunstall comes out. I think the first single is out in April. And then the album follows that. Second single after that, we're about to shoot the video. A great album it is. Um, we really sparked. Something happened. I was on the phone with her the other day. We were Skyping. And we were, were both getting excited about the release coming soon of the album. And I looked at her and I said, how did this happen? She said, I don't know. Because it's so magical. We just sat on the carpet here and talked, talked and talked and talked and talked. That's the song. That's the song. Wrote it. It was just flowed between us. So there's some sort of chemistry that that really. Anyway, I can't wait for that to hit the stands because it's uh, it's it's a quality album. I mean, what's really fascinating as well with someone with such a long career that you are finding a new audience now. Yes. yes. And this is this is quite a fascinating aspect, and it seems to have all come in the last few years. And I think the documentary was a was a real trigger in that. Tell me about that and tell me how that feels for you to sort of be at this new stage in your life where new people are coming to you. Yeah, it is, it is brand new. Um, there's a few things that all came together the way I see it. I mean, I've always been a working artist, but when my son came in the picture, he 
he put me back. He 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 made me see myself all over again, brand new, like I was just starting off. He put this in me, so maybe that's attracting a lot, a lot of younger people now. Uh, I get a lot of youngsters at the at the in, in the audiences now. Um, I just went. I don't know. I do. I do think that's what it was down to, me working with him. You know, he he tried to make me feel like I felt when I made my first album. That was his aim. I didn't know this that he was doing that, but he was. So, I saw myself. How what was our first album? Two nineteen. I saw myself brand new through his eyes. I felt like I was just starting off, you know, and it was fantastic feeling. Um, also, for some crazy, crazy reason, I don't understand. Well, I do understand some of it. I'm getting, for the last two or three years, I'm getting the best, the best reviews of my life. My husband keeps calling and saying, did you write this? I said, no, I didn't. <laughs> because it's, it's like ridiculously good. And I think what's happened is, um, I am singing better than ever. I don't understand why, and I'm not going to question it. I just am. My passion is still there. My need is still there. My love of what I do is still there. I think the entertainer that I always wanted to become when I was young, I wanted to be able to do a little bit of everything, make you laugh, make you cry, do a ballad, do the rocker. It's finally all pieced together like a big jigsaw. And that's what every reviewer is saying, that you go home happy. You get your hits, but you get so much more. So I'm now at the age of 72, able to show you all the colors of my rainbow. And I so enjoy that. So, I mean, going along those lines that you say that, you know, you play new stuff, you play the hits and you make sure that the audience gets, a, every, you know, all a bit of what they want. How do you decide on a set list when you've got such a massive legacy of songs? Um, I'm pretty good at picking out songs for the stage. It's one of my expertise. I don't know why. And putting the list together like a graph, because it goes like a radio graph, you know, and it's got to be a certain level at, at a certain place in the show. Um, the hits are the hits. I place them where they should be. The, the favorite album tracks, they they can chop and change a little bit. I always will put in um, a couple from each album. So you'll get your favorite there. Uh, I always will do a ballad at the piano because uh, I like to play piano. I'll always do something on drums. I'll always do my bass solo because the audience wouldn't like it if I didn't. And I always like to have a few surprises. For instance, right now I've got my EP out uncovered. And Bad Moon Rising has made it into the set because it's just so obvious. I went, Even when I went to sing it, when we were recording, I went, oh, this could have been a Susie single. It just sits and it sits in my set beautifully. And my son, he, he, he was telling me, he thought maybe I should put in, I feel the earth move. I'm not sure. Couple of stuff I put in, I'm trying to think which, oh, do you dance from my The Devil In Me album, right? It's funny. Uh, love, love isn't fair from no control. We tried it in the set for about three or four shows. People love the track. They don't want to hear it in my show. And for some reason, it just works that way. And uh, Do Your Dance, great song, great video, didn't work in the show. There's certain things that sit there and certain things that don't. It doesn't mean just because it's on the album, people love it, that it's going to sit comfortably in your live show. I mean, you're doing a lot of touring this year. So we'll... You know, on that basis, 
and I don't think all artists think the same as you. I think some artists think, you know, I'm going to play this, sod it, that's what I want to play. But you're actually saying that the audience define where this goes. So can the set list change along the way? And can is there a process to it that makes it fresh and new as you go along? Well, the audience makes it fresh and new. Also, whenever you get a new musician, they put their little color on it. Even though they have to play the song as it is, they play it you know, slightly their way. Um, it's always fresh and new to me. You got a road test a song. The hits are always fresh because you start them and the audience erupts, so they feel brand new. You know, you want to go down and forget? Yeah, so you're there. You're in the moment. Um, they, uh, you, you have to road test songs. That's what I call it. You you put them in and you see, you see that you feel the reaction. You see how it sits there and it either works or it doesn't. Like I said, a few along the way have bit the dust and ones that I didn't know were going to go like Bad Moon Rising. Again, I'm going to talk about that. I knew it should go on this set, but I did not expect the reaction. I mean, it's it goes down the best out of some of my songs. And the other one that I did on Back to the Drive. I covered uh, Rockin' in the Free World. That's also one of the most popular numbers in the set. So both of those just suit me. And you got to have your eye on the audience. You know, you can't force them to like something. I mean, you mentioned you back, to, back to the Drive. You're releasing this um, sort of two albums in one compilation with some extras, aren't you? Uh, back to the Spotlight. Yeah. Um, that's on Cherry Red Records, I think. What yeah. What basically, you, you've also chosen some some extras um which have been um you know have not been released before as extra tracks how did you go about choosing them and what did you want them to represent because um, like they represent a different side do you have it there can you tell me what the extras are and then i can talk about it yeah you have this uh abba track uh oh. does your mama know <laughs> yeah i was asked to participate in a um an applause thing for ABBA. They were doing a TV thing about them. And would I would I agree to do a song? And I love ABBA. I just love ABBA. Um, and, and anybody that says they don't like ABBA is lying. That's how I've always said it, because how can you not like them? Um, so I was working with Andy Scott at the time. He was producing Back to the Drive. And he suggested, does your mother know? Because it's the only one that the guys sang. And uh, we approached it in the way that we approached it, it really worked. When I go to Australia, it's funny. I don't do it in this country, that song. But when I go to Australia, the Beatles were the highest selling artists there of all time. I came along and I took over from the Beatles. I was the highest selling artist of all time. Then ABBA came along and they beat me. So when I go to Australia, I do Does Your Mother Know? I give him a nod, you know? So I, I decide that there's sometimes, you know, when I'm in Australia, I have a four piece band. When I'm here, I have a nine piece band, including me with the horn section and girls. So that gives you more scope. You know, like I can do uh, your mama won't like me, which is the horn section and different things like that. When I go to Australia with my four piece band, it's more back to basics. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, 
we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You're listening to Pop, the History Makers, with me, Steve Blame. This year is when you're really uh, traveling around um, Europe. Where are you going to? And what sort of preparations do you have to make, apart from the set list and everything like that? What sort of other preparations? When you've done this so often, what do you have to prepare this time around that's slightly different? Um, Well, first of all, fitness-wise, you have to... I go in my front room when I, when, if I've got a week or two off, I go in my front room and at least four times, if I've got two weeks off, at least four times, I will do the show to love to the live CD, the latest live CD. And I don't mean I rehearse the show. I mean, I do the show. I run back and forth. I get it. I sweating. I, I do the show. You know, when you think about it, September was our last gig in 221 because of COVID. And my next gig was in April at the Royal Albert Hall. And if I didn't do what I do, you would have seen me looking rusty. And my husband said to me, it looks like you've been on the road for a month. I said, that's because I do the work. Um, they, people have been asking me now, one new thing I'm preparing, uh, not new. There's a bass solo, you can Google it, 1979 in Prague, that they just happened to catch because I did a TV show. They're live live gig, they've televised it. And it's just a marvelous bass solo. And lately, a lot of people are saying, why don't you do that bass solo again? So now I'm relearning because, of course, the solo changes over the years. Different drummers, you put different bits in. And this is a hell of a solo. It's one of the best. So I'm now relearning that to put into the show. So And, and that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, when you're when you're doing this preparation performance in your front room, <laughs> do, do you invite guests? Do you film it? No. Do you have... No. So, Okay. I, no, it's private. It's private. But I did. I did say um, which one was it? Now it was. It was again. It was do you dance? Was it do you dance? No. It was I sold my soul today. We were cutting the video for that here in the house because it was COVID again. We had to do it in the garage, person by person. And um, I said to the director. I emailed him and I said, because it was an acting. If you look at the YouTube of it, you'll see it's very much an acting song. Uh, I said, are you going to use me playing at all? Or is it just going to be me acting the song out? And he said, no, no, just acting. I said, okay. Then at about 11 o'clock at night, I got a phone call from him. And he said, no, no, we are going to do some of you playing at all. Great. So I went in the front room in my pink bathrobe and fluffy slippers and put on my bass and practice the song. I thought if anybody happened to walk by that window, they say they could say, Susie Quattro lives there. She's gone a bit crazy. I was, you know, but I didn't want to go up and change just to rehearse the song, but I did have to go for it and see what I was going to do. You know, <laughs> hilarious. What is it that excites you about being on stage? Because you are such a wonderful stage performer. It's in my heart. That's it. I'm, I'm really corny about it. Um, Many times I'm up there and I'm thinking to myself, I can't believe I get paid for doing this. I love to entertain. I love for you to come in, maybe you're in a mood, you know, whatever, and you leave 
you're, you're screaming, you know? So it's my thing. I've done that since I've been a little girl. I used to, I even remember being about seven or eight and walking around during recess outside with the with the teacher, Mrs. Denmark, I still remember her name, the teacher who uh, took care of the kids as I came out for recess for the lunch hour. And I remember walking around holding her hand and singing for her. So I've been kind of doing this my whole life. I think I was born to entertain and make people happy. I think so. I think that's what the good Lord put me on this planet for. And that's why I take it so seriously. You know, that's why I care so much about it. It's it's my job. I'll make you happy for a couple hours, you know? <laughs> I mean, you mentioned the 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 stuff that you're working with uh, Katie Tunstall on that, that's coming out. Um, are you going to have guests when you perform? Is she going to be there? Um, well, our schedules, I, I should have even gone to hers last night and I couldn't. I don't know if I, I, she can come. I always invite her, but um, my son will come up and do a couple of songs for sure. Uh, it's just a matter of getting us together. She's she's busy and I'm busy, but we got to get this video done and the album is ready to go. So it's all it's all mixed. The artwork is done. We're waiting for it to come out. But uh, my 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 husband, who's one of life's great critics, he really is. Um, he listened to it and it, he listened all the way through. And then he said, because he's German, he said, uh, oh, he said, I look for a word to describe it. And I said, quality and he said that he said that is the word that's the word he wanted and i knew what he was trying to say and then he said the one thing that you couldn't that you that neither you or katie knew which we didn't is how our voices have blended and you can't buy that they really suit each other and i you wouldn't have thought that when you think about it you know you just wouldn't have but um and like i said it was effortless we wrote easily about things we talked about yeah, what I can say from living in Germany is that what your husband, when he says, when Germans say something, they mean it. So oh, sometimes sometimes it can be tough. Oh, they're harsh. At least, Germans at least are very true. harsh. They're very, very harsh. I'll tell you what he did one time. Um, and I've, I've told my, my ex-husband, who I'm still very close with, uh, he said to me, we were sitting in the kitchen, my my husband of 30 years, my German husband, typical German, he says, oh, he says that. Uh, Lenny, my first husband, Lenny must have treated you very bad. And I said, why do you say that? He said, because you're very hard to get rid of. <laughs> <laughs> and if that's not German, what is? That is so German. I think he meant it as a compliment that I'm a loyal girl. I, I hope he meant it that way. <laughs> <laughs> as, we, as we said at the beginning, and you've talked throughout this very short interview, you've had so many things happen in the past few years with the, you know, the couple of the, the new albums with your son, this uh, Katie Tunstall you mentioned, you've got the book of your poetry, the documentary that was only a few years ago, filling the Albert Hall, going back on tour. You know, I'm almost out of breath talking about it. What, you know, and you're also a broadcaster in the UK as well, aren't you? So you've, you've got 15 years. 15 years on BBC Radio too. Yeah. Yeah. You've got so many facets to your career with obviously the central focus, but you've got so, you know, there's such a sort of area of, of expertise and, and work there. Um, do you actively look for new projects or do they just come to you? I am unashamedly an artiste in every sense of the word. I love creation. 
everything that this industry, and it's a big industry, allows me to do. If I can do it, I will do it. I don't attempt what I can't do. I've always written poetry. I knew I could be radio. They've said it to me since I've been had my first hit. All the DJs, all the DJs would say after interviewing me, "You should be on the radio. Perfect voice. You're a good talker." So I always knew I could do that. Acting, I always knew I could do. I could have gone into acting instead of music. Could have done. Um, like I, I love writing my poetry. I've done that since a little child. Everything that I can do, I want to do. I don't want to be boxed in anywhere. I said that in my documentary. Don't 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 box me in. If I want to do a ballad, I'll do a ballad. If I want to do a, oh, I can't do ballet. I took ballet once and the teacher laughed at me. <laughs> I'm not a ballet dancer. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not gentle enough. I'm just not. <laughs> I still remember that I did a pirouette. We were in a class and I did one of those pirouettes across the hall. Each one of us had to do it. And when I got to the end where she was, she was laughing. I said, okay, so ballet's not my thing. <laughs> You missed out one thing, perfect wife, of course. So you need to tell your German husband that you are the you missed out one thing, the perfect wife. And I think you need to tell your German do, husband you know. exactly that as well. Well, I'll tell you what, the perfect wife. Here we go. Here's another, here's another Reinerism. When I'm in Hamburg, I have a room upstairs in the house where I sit and do all my stuff. You know, I put my computer there when I'm there and da-da-da. He has an office here too. And Usually he goes down before me. So he's in the kitchen where he goes on his computer and I'm usually in my room and then I come down at some point. So it was morning and he was down there already and I was up for about a half an hour and I came down the stairs and I said, good morning. And he went, oh, <laughs> I just love that. Oh, and I told my son that he said, I can understand that. It means his piece is over. You're Cause I can be exhausting. I, I can be. I'm a sort of, you know, just the side of hyper type girl. So I, I can't be that way, but the way he did. Oh, how <laughs> to, to feel welcome, you know? <laughs> well, it sounds like the perfect partnership to me. Susie yeah, Quattro, thank you. If anyone wants to watch the, the in-depth interview, which is sort of covers your past, I, they should watch the deep dive interview. To watch you on tour, I'm going to put out the date so uh, everyone can see what's coming up and also links to all your new material. Thank you again, Susie. It's lovely to see you. Nice to really see you. It really is. Okay. Same. Bye. Bye-bye. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.